Welcome everyone to Coaching the Session. My name is Michael Raritan, and I'll be your mindset coach this afternoon, actually. We're at a new time for Coaching in Session, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. So if you're used to watching at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we moved it up three hours to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're new to the channel, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and to share this video with any parents, friends, or people who can benefit from having a mindset shift. And today we're going to be talking about how to be an effective learner. And this is something I learned in school from understanding the development of the brain to being able to teach someone, whether it be auditory, visual, kinesthetic, all of those different types of learning, I had to understand and I had to master. Now, of course, could I take a workshop and get better? Of course. There's always room for improvement. There's not going to be a one-stop-all school that you're going to go to and then all of a sudden you have all the knowledge and all the wisdom. It's going to require you to do some work also. And so when I was a teacher, it was trial and error in the beginning. And I was fortunate enough to have been teaching before I started teaching in the school system. So there was many opportunities for me to hone my skills and get better. I learned what was good. I learned what wasn't good. And it's interesting now because here we're living in a society in a world where we have remote learning. And this is because of the pandemic and the quarantines and the lockdowns. And what's happening is now students are not getting the education that they should be receiving. So now these students are behind whether they can catch up or whether they cannot catch up, that's going to be dependent on the parent, not dependent on the school. The school is going to pass them. And then if they don't know the basic information that they were supposed to know at a certain grade level, they're going to just have been expected to know this. It's not something that's going to be in the curriculum saying, oh, we need to make sure that they learned everything in the previous grades. They keep moving. So when you have your child or if you're working with a young mind, you need to understand that where they are is not definitive by their grade because they can be in fifth grade and read at a second grade level. Now, whose fault is that? Is it the school, is it the parents, the teacher? It's a little bit of everyone actually because there's no way for us to pinpoint, oh, it's the teacher's fault exactly, oh, it's the parents' fault exactly, or it's the school. Of course. Now, there's going to be factors that may make the school, the person, or the people to blame. Same thing with the teacher. But if they're going past third and fourth grade and they don't know how to read still, it's not necessarily a school problem anymore. It's a parent problem. Because now we have parents saying, well, the schools are not doing their job. I'm just going to keep on complaining. So they keep on complaining and nothing happens. So now two years pass and now their child cannot read still. And then from fourth grade to fifth grade, they don't take any action again because they're still upset. They're so upset that the schools are not doing what they're supposed to do. Now, of course, parent might be busy. They might have work. They have their own life, right? But guess what? In order for your child to get the best education, you need to be a part of it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Because if you are going to be there 
and to support them, they're going to be so much further ahead than if you just allow the school to do their job. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to be busy, that you're not going to be tired after work. It's a sacrifice. It is, truly. You have to understand that your little human that you made, that you helped create, or that you're helping raise, is someone who's going to be dependent on you. They're going to learn from you, from your actions, to just the lifestyle that you're living in your environment. And that's a subconscious level. So now what they see, what they hear, they're going to replicate. So if you're not proud of your life, if you're not happy with the road you're going in, if you're feeling depressed, sad, angry, fearful, do you want that for your child? Many parents are going to say no. So how do we fix that? Well, we have to understand how they learn, number one, but we also have to take pride in who we are becoming. Because if you're going to continue down this road of being an improper example for children, then the problem is going to continue to happen. And now we're shifting from parents not wanting to put their kids into school and taking on that responsibility themselves. The problem with that is the parents are not trained. Now, if you're familiar with Thomas Edison, he's a famous inventor, created hundreds of inventions, and he was deaf. And when he went to school, he was put in a box, per se, where the teacher said he's not going to surmount to anything, he's not smart, and we, we don't want him here anymore. We don't want him in this school. He's just a burden. Now, the teacher, of course, they don't have the skill set at that time when Thomas Edison was around to teach someone who was hearing impaired. They didn't know how to teach them. And maybe they didn't even have the will to teach them. And the will for teachers to go above and beyond is still there. Teachers truly care about the students that they're teaching. Of course, there's going to be a few bad apples, right? There's always a few bad apples, but that doesn't mean that every teacher that we encounter is going to be bad because that's not true. And the same thing with parents. Parents typically have the best intentions for their children. They do. They want them to grow up, be well, and they are very opinionated when it comes to their children. Think of baseball dad, for example. Let's go, let's go. And now all the stress is on the child to hit the ball, to make it on base. So that man can feel proud. Or soccer moms, soccer dads, doesn't matter, same thing. They are looking to gloat. They want to say that my child is so amazing. Oh my goodness, look at them, praise them. That type of entitlement is in our own life too. Look at me, praise me, respect my opinion. My opinion is final. Repeat my opinion, recite what I say, mimic what I do, and then I will be happy. But that's not the case when it comes to teaching. We're going to have different personalities, and that personality might not match yours. And they might not like the same things that you like, and that is fine. But we can't see that if we're not made aware of that. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Making you aware 
of what type of learner you are, what type of learner your child is. And when we have a good foundation of that, then we can begin to go down a path that's going to help them or help you become a better learner. So if you're new, head over to the website, revenconcepts.com, and we're going to go check out today's blog. So you go over to resources tab, and from the resources tab, you go to blogs, and you'll see the TUS part 30, which is a tune-up series, how to learn effectively. This blog is going to give you a step-by-step guide how to identify what type of learner someone is, what type of learner you may be, and how to become a better educator and or learner. The fundamentals of learning are going to include three types of learning. You're going to have your auditory type of learners, your visual type of learners, and your kinesthetic type of learners. Now, your auditory type of learners are going to be able to listen to what you say, and from there, they're going to be able to give you the answer because they did the work. They listened. That's what type of learner they are. That's their dominant learning path. Now, can someone be multiple? Of course. But if someone's an auditory learner, you need to be able to speak to them in a way that they're going to understand. Now, let's say you're an auditory learner, for example, and I started talking to you in lingo that you might not understand or you might not be too familiar with, whether it be stocks, finance, education, you're going to be able to listen, but you're not going to be able to comprehend because I'm not using words that are going to reflect your current learning level. That is why when we're young, we're not using big words yet. We're still learning. And then come third grade, we increase that. So now the words are going to be a little bit bigger. And then in sixth grade, the words even are even bigger. And you're using bigger words, new words. It's a process. And as we go down that process, we need to understand where someone is. Because if you don't understand where they are, how can you help them get to where they need to be? So no matter what, if you're an auditory learner, you have to be able to understand where they are on that level. So first grade, they're learning arithmetic, addition, subtraction, right? Simple stuff, basic math. An auditory type of learning example for this would be the teacher saying or the parent saying two plus two equals four. And they respond two plus two equals four. You don't need any type of visuals. You don't need anything for this type of auditory learner. They can do it just by listening. Now, if you say, what's five plus three? They go five plus three is eight. Five plus three is eight. And they remember. That's how they learn. That's their dominant learning pattern. Now, with things like math, though, we need to have something else. We just can't do everything in our head because they because their brain is not at that level yet, which is not their fault. It's just that development takes time. So we have to implement visual type of learning also. And this might be your primary type of learning. You might be a visual learner. And I'm a visual learner. So when I get some type of information as auditory, I might have to imagine it in my head in a visual pattern. And for me doing that, I can learn better. 
or I can become more effective more quickly. If you're a teacher and you're going to be addressing visual learners, you're going to write on the board two plus two equals four. Now, in school, we learned this. You have to attach all the different learning types, the fundamentals of learning, in one lesson because you have to make it inclusive. No matter what learning type you are, I'm going to touch base. So you say two plus two equals four while you write it on the board. Now, not only did you touch base with your auditory learners, but also your visual learners. And then we have a kinesthetic type of learner. And this type of learner is going to be someone who uses their body, who wants to be able to move and experience the learning through their body, right? So for example, if they say two plus two equals four, what is a way someone can use their body? Well, they can clap, right? They can stomp. They can get up and they can use different items. And then that's touching a visual base also. So now they see what's going on. And it just depends on the person. Now, you can be any of these type of learners. But to be the most effective teacher, you want to be able to implement these type of learnings in each of your lessons you're doing for your children. So we have many parents at home right now wanting to teach their students their curriculum. They got all the books. They got all the information. They got the packets. But they don't know how to teach. So they have to figure out how to teach. And that's going to be a process because it takes years. It takes trial and error. And you might not want to necessarily do trial and error on your, on your kids. Because if you think about it, you do trial and error on your kids. Once they're done learning, you say, oh, I would do that differently. But will you become an educator? And you probably wouldn't. So that means we don't necessarily need to go do that trial and error Let's not reinvent the wheel because it's not necessary. Right now, we have an opportunity to teach our children the way we want to without having an outside factor. The schools tell our children how they need to operate. Sit down. Don't talk. Raise your hand if you want to go to the bathroom. Though that creates control, it creates a learning environment, right? Because the learning environment has to be in control controlled, but it takes away imagination because there's going to be one right way and that's going to be what the teacher is looking for. Now, of course, if you're an art or music, then we can be imaginative. But if we're looking at the basic knowledge, it's going to be no. Let's give you a test and that test is going to dictate whether you know the information or not. And now the anxiety is coming in. First grade, you're taking a test second grade, you're taking a test and you're isolated and you're all alone. You're not allowed to talk to your friends. You can't call mom or dad or ask for help. You're by yourself. And then you learn that maybe you're not so great at math or writing or English. And then you say, I don't like writing. I don't like math. I don't like a certain subject because I'm not good at it. And that's going to weigh on you. You don't think so. But it happens all the time. 
Have you ever seen a first grader who's more stressed than someone who just lost their house because they weren't able to pay the mortgage? I have. The levels of stress are the same. Now, the problem with stress is that we think that if I have a stress, it's going to be greater than someone else's stress. But if they don't have any predisposition learning on that type of stress, that's going to be their highest level of stress. Oh my God, my life is over. Have you ever heard a middle schooler say that? Because they have reached one of their highest levels of stress they have in their life. And it's sad that we can't understand that the levels of stress that they're going through is what they know to be the worst thing in the world. Now, of course, we grow up and we say, I wish I was in middle school again or in high school again, and I had your stress because now we have adult stress, parent stress, and we have to deal with everything. We have to protect, provide, and we have to go to work to maybe a job we don't enjoy, and we have to do this and do that. So there's going to be many things that need our attention, but we don't give focus because we are worried about what is happening in our own life. And rightfully so. We have problems. We have issues, right? But we need to be effective educators for our children. And that's both teachers and parents. When I went into the school, it didn't matter what type of problem I had. Those students needed me at 100%. And if you're taking on the role of an educator and you're a parent, they need you to show up 100%. And now you're playing multiple roles. You're now the educator, the protector, the provider, the caregiver, and you only have 24 hours to do it. And it's challenging. It's difficult. It's stressful. I understand. But learning how to be more efficient is going to help you become less stressed. In this blog that is talking about the different types of learning, of course, I gave you a synopsis on it. But it goes into detail, goes into depth on understanding the fundamentals of learning, on talking about the auditory type of learners, the visual type of learners, and the kinesthetic type of learners. And what you need to do with this article is read it and then to apply it in your life first. This is not a first grade reading level, right? You're going to be looking at maybe a sixth grade reading level, maybe, maybe a little bit higher. But you want to be able to understand this and then be able to relay it. And the way I write, the way I work, the way I educate is by bite-sized pieces, small steps. I don't give you the beginning and the end. I give you the beginning and then I give you the next step. Because the end is our goal, but we don't necessarily need to reach there yet. There's an importance of taking small steps. And that's going to be able to get to where we need to be most efficiently and quickly. Because if I'm going to be stuck trying to figure out how do I get to the next step in life or how do I educate my children or how do I figure out what type of learner I am or what type of learner my children are, you're going to be in big trouble when it's finally test time. They go off to high school And now they're getting ready to go to college or taking their SATs and they're not doing too hot. They have a lot of catching up to do. 
And there's no reason why they need to be so behind. And again, I share my sympathy with you. If you're a parent and you're stressed and you're struggling, you have to be able to rise to the challenge of being a parent and then taking on the role of the educator, especially if the schools are going to continue to close down, shut down, do remote learning. It's just not conducive to the type of development your child needs. So give them what they need, help them out, and you're going to notice that they're going to do better with you if you put in some effort than if you just say, oh, go on the computer for your class. This is not an iPad you can give someone and tell them to be quiet and watch a show. You have to be active in their education. A packet doesn't teach someone. Being in a classroom online doesn't teach anyone. Now, of course, if you're at a higher grade level, high school, college, your brain and you have already developed to the point where now you can think critically. But that doesn't happen with young minds. Not yet. Not yet. There's no cause and effect. You can teach it. You can definitely teach cause and effect, but it takes time. And then how do you teach cause and effect? Figuring out what type of learner you are. Are you a visual, auditory, kinesthetic? Understanding that and then being able to expedite whatever type of learning you're trying to implement is going to happen a lot quicker once you figure out how you learn and how they learn. Because if you say, oh, they're a visual learner and you give them all visuals, of course, they're going to learn quicker. But then you also want to make sure you supplement the other two areas so they don't only focus on one thing, right? We do want them to be able to focus on multiple factors, but then everyone still has a dominant learning fundamental that they use. All right. If you have any questions, make sure to email me, session at gmail.com. If you've typed in chat, I'll do my best to respond to those answers. And until I see everyone again on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for a new episode of Coaching Session. Until then, take care.